Welcome to the Torah Journey Podcast. My name is Rabbi Ken Brodkin, and I've been a community rabbi for over 15 years. During that time, I've learned that the wisdom of Judaism is powerful, but it's not always easy to understand. Our weekly podcast will enrich your journey and give you practical advice about how to apply the wisdom of Judaism to your life. We'll offer you insights based on the Parsha, current events, the Jewish year, and more. This is the Torah Journey Podcast. It's great to be back with you. Last Thursday night at 11.58 p.m., I was lying in bed, and suddenly I heard an excited cheer from the living room. My wife was still working. Well, she had just finished working. After founding my Antara Day School and doing every job from janitor to nurse to principal for over a decade, her mission was complete. I've replaced myself, she exclaimed as she sent her last email in her official capacity as principal of my Antara Day School. Couldn't we have celebrated in the morning, I asked. I've been thinking a lot about transition lately. I see transition all over the place as so many people are making movement. I've come across articles about various friends and acquaintances transitioning out of their positions. Here in Portland, our Rosh Kolel, Rav Tzvi Fisher, is moving to Detroit, Michigan, where he will lead a new Kolel. And with all of this transition happening, the thing that we consider is this. Are we replaceable? Sometimes in life, it might be when we start a job or other endeavor, we can feel like God is tapping us. I experienced that when my family moved to Portland in 2005 and I began to serve as the rabbi of Congregation Kesser Israel. It's at times like that that we realize that we're uniquely positioned to do something in our world. As Jews, we might just generally feel in life that God is calling us in one way or another. And if Hashem is calling us, the implication is that there's something truly unique about who we are. Our rabbis teach us that no two faces are alike. Every individual comes into the world with a unique combination of talents and drive. And we only come into this world once. And when we think about it that way, we might have a feeling that we are irreplaceable. After all, I am being called upon for something unique. A lot of leaders feel that they're irreplaceable. When FDR ran for a fourth term for president, he campaigned on this idea. No one can finish the job but me. But then here's an amazing fact. FDR was elected for his fourth term, and then he passed away in the middle of this term. And even still, the country went on in the aftermath of World War II. To put it cynically, when you go to a graveyard, it's filled with a lot of irreplaceable people. Trust me, as a community rabbi, I spent a lot of time at the cemetery. Dor holech v'dor ba, one generation comes and another passes away. My wife remarked many years ago that when her father passed away in 1990, one of the hardest things was that the world just continued to bustle along. Here was a unique man, so vibrant, seemingly irreplaceable. And yet, when he was gone, somehow life just continued. What is the real truth of our lives? Are we irreplaceable as we may often feel? In today's Tara Journey podcast, we're going to ask ourselves just this question. Are we replaceable? And if we are replaceable, does that diminish the meaning of our lives? Well, if there was ever a person who was irreplaceable, it was Moses. God called out to Moshe and to Moshe alone from the burning bush. And in the course of the crises that unfold in our Sefer Bamidbar, we witness Moshe's utter uniqueness. When Miriam spoke against her brother, 
Hashem testified that Moshe was the greatest of all prophets ever. The Almighty spoke with him pe'el-peh, mouth-to-mouth, in visions and not in, riddle, and not in riddles. Bechol beisi neman, in my entire household, he is faithful. But of all people, Moshe did not see himself as some kind of demigod. In fact, Moshe himself launched the rabbi search committee to replace himself before his retirement. In what would seem like a difficult moment, God took Moshe up to Har Avarim to gaze upon the land of Israel that he would not enter. In precisely that moment of realization that he will not enter the promised land, Moshe turned to Hashem and he asked God to find a leader for the Jewish people. The conversation that follows is as much a revelation about Moshe as it is about leadership. Moshe said to Hashem, Yifkod Hashem Elokei Haruchos Lechol Basar. May Hashem, God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the assembly. And let the assembly of God not be like a flock that have no shepherd. The Almighty responded, Take Yehoshua ben Nun, a man in whom there is spirit, and lean your hands upon him. You shall stand him before Elazar the Kohen and the entire assembly and command him before their eyes. You shall place some of your hod, some of your splendor upon him so the entire assembly of the children of Israel will pay heed. The language of Moshe's request is key. What is the significance of the shepherd? Now consider Moshe's own past. He was found by Hashem as he shepherded the flock of Yisro. And now Moshe, the ultimate shepherd, turns to God and he prays, Just as I have been a shepherd for the Jewish people, please bring about another leader. Instead of getting stuck in the idea that only he could do it, Moshe's concern was that bigger picture. If I have been the shepherd until now, we need to recruit a new shepherd. This humble approach builds upon much of his past. Though Moshe was the mechokek, the lawgiver, he followed the advice of Yisro to establish a system with many judges. And later Moshe bestowed smicha upon the elders, leaning his hands on them. Hashem told Moshe then and there that the spirit upon Moshe would be increased even as he bestowed that spirit to new leaders. Now the scene is replayed with Yehoshua. Moshe asks for a leader who has ruach. Moshe gives Yehoshua smicha, leaning his hands upon a student, and in so doing indicates that Yehoshua is simultaneously connected and subservient to his teacher. And then God tells Moshe to take from the hod that is upon himself and place it upon Yehoshua. But what is hod? Rashi explains this hod, or splendor, refers to kirun or panim, the radiance of Moshe's face, that came about from the Harsinai experience. The Torah describes this incredible radiance that Moshe attained. His soul radiated from within out into the world, and the people feared him when they witnessed that. And now Moshe gives a part of that, some of his radiance, to his student Yehoshua, so that the people will be in awe of the next leader too. Rashi comments, it says, 
Give to him from your splendor and not all of your splendor. As the Midrash remarks, if the face of Moshe was like the sun, then the face of Yehoshua was like the moon. And so here was Moshe imparting his spirit to Yehoshua. And the key is that giving of this spirit does not decrease who Moshe is. If God told Moses when he appointed the 70 elders that the spirit is upon you, it will be increased when you share it with them. Bring the elders into your spiritual world as you prepare them for their world, for their role. But in no way does this take away from who you are. So was Moshe replaceable? In a sense, yes. He was the greatest of prophets. If Moshe was like the sun, his great student Yoshua was like the moon, reflecting his teacher's light. But even if Moshe was totally unique, his life was limited. Another man would have to lead the community. A couple weeks ago, I bumped into Rabbi Fisher at the school assembly for the last day of classes at Mayan, and we watched my wife in her last moments at the assembly before the kids We reminisced about a time when our wives worked together to start the school as Mrs. Fisher established our preschool back in 2011. I still remember the first open house we ran for the school. We had no students, no building, no teachers, no money, but we had a school. In any case, Mrs. Fisher eventually transitioned out of her job at the school, and now here's my wife welcoming the new leadership to the school on her last day at Mayan. Each of us may be irreplaceable in a sense because... We're all totally unique, but God has other people who are of infinite value. The key is to bring more good people that can build upon our work. Yoshua was a different man for a different time who built upon the foundation of Moshe. Great leaders understand that change is intrinsic to the world. Great leaders see their lives as a preparation for the changes that will come. They bring other leaders into the ranks and imbue them with a spirit and ability to lead. It doesn't matter if you're a rabbi, a principal, the head of the PTA, or just anyone doing a job. It's not about you. It's about the bigger cause. And no one cared more about that big cause than Moshe. Moshe's leadership began with his humility at the burning bush and ended with his humility, seeking a new leader in his own lifetime. The best leaders overlap. Yoshua wrote the last eight verses of Devarim, Deuteronomy, so that the work of Moshe is only completed through his student. Why did Moshe have to go out of his way to ask for a successor? Why not let God just find the man? The answer, leaders who care about the cause are personally invested in carrying the cause forward beyond their own tenure. One of the most riveting series of scenes in the entire Tanakh unfolds in 1 Kings, Malachim, chapters 17 through 19, in the life of the prophet Eliyahu. The end of these chapters is sometimes read as the haftarah for our Parsha, which is Pinchas. It's an appropriate addendum to our Parsha because the subject is transition. Eliyahu was, on the one hand, the greatest of leaders. He brought God's presence down upon Mount Carmel, overcoming King Ahav and the idolaters of his generation. Similar to his forebear Moshe, Eliyahu walked 40 days and 40 nights without food and water, without bread, and he heard God speak to him at Chorev. On the other hand, in that moment at Chorev, he is informed that the presence of God is only to be found in the kol de mamad daka, the still and silent voice. 
Eliyahu is then instructed to go home and anoint his student Elisha as the next prophet. Eliyahu observes God's word, going forth to find Elisha and place his cloak upon him. This scene is often understood as a critique. You're too zealous to lead the people, Eliyahu. Go and get the next leader. And while there may be some truth to this, on a deeper level, the scene speaks to the greatness of Eliyahu. The prophet faithfully transitioned himself out of his own leadership role, bringing the next generation in. While Eliyahu did his part to combat idolatry, it was now Elisha's turn, and Eliyahu embraced that. We might think that leadership is about great skills and presence and charisma. True leaders are about cause, and real causes transcend individual leaders. Sometimes people might ignore the need to train the next leader, and the result of that could be chaos. The book of Malachim presents such chaos when David was about to die without clarifying who the next leader was supposed to be, and only due to the foresight of Nathan the prophet and Bathsheba was chaos averted as Shlomo was anointed king. Think about it. What's great about America? The greatness of America can be seen on the day that a new president is inaugurated. I was deeply struck by that when I watched George and Laura Bush accompany the Obamas to the inauguration in 2008. When we don't descend into chaos and we have peaceful change of the guard, that's the greatest indication of the effectiveness of our political system. But the truth is you don't have to be a prophet or the leader of a country to benefit from Moshe's lesson. All of us are here for a cause. If we believe in the cause, then we must believe in other people to help the cause forward. I was just thinking about that the other day, talking to an old friend. We were discussing how this friend helped my son get through high school in a challenging time. We live in a constantly changing and transitioning world. We see that so much through the virus that we just all experienced. The Wall Street Journal recently reported that U.S. workers are quitting at the highest rates in decades. After so much change, people are reevaluating their lives. And in such a changing world, we need to look at our work as an effort to establish our values in a way that those values will continue beyond the limited realm of our own tenure. If you parent a child, lead a project, or plant a garden, you are passionate about something. If you're passionate, who are you bringing along to share the burden and transition it? One of the greatest things we can do is imbue other people with the spirit that we catch, just like Moshe gave of his spirit to Yoshua and to the elders. Good leaders find people to take their place and do not leave a vacuum or chaos in their wake. If you care about the minion you attend or the kids' program at your show, get other people excited too. Share your passion. It's infectious. And each of us, in our own way, may very well be irreplaceable. We are each singular, utterly unique. But we live in a world in which unique people transition in and out. And so the next time that you feel enthusiastic about something that you're involved in, ask yourself this, how can you spread the Ruach? And as we share the spirit with others around us, Hashem will increase his spirit, which he pours upon us. Thank you for joining me. If you've enjoyed this episode and feel that others would benefit, make sure to share the episode with a friend. I'm Rabbi Ken Brodkin, and this is the Torah Journey Podcast.